Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Welcome to this special episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. I'm Ko M, your community editor, and this week is a really special one. Uh, we have some inspiring guests in our room with us as it is Black History Month and as we continue these important conversations about race, racial injustice, social justice, um, within our marketing and advertising communities. So um, I'd like to introduce uh, Jason Rosario, who is Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion um, at BBDO Worldwide, Gabby Royale, Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion at Abercrombie & Fitch Company, and Jasmine Cruz, Brand Manager at BBHLA and Head of Marketing and Brand Strategy at In Her Shoes Movement. Thank you so much, guys, for being with me today. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, excited, excited to chat. Absolutely. So before we kind of dive deeply into the conversation, um, let's start with Jason. Uh, tell us more about kind of what you do and what you're trying uh, to do. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a broad question. Uh, I'll try my best to answer it as succinctly as possible. But uh, I, I think I'm a, I'm a jack of, of many trades, but specifically at BBDO, my remit is to lead uh, global diversity efforts uh, across the network on an enterprise level. And so what that means is to, my job is to figure out how we might be able to apply inclusive principles to every aspect of the organization from recruiting and retention and partnering with HR on kind of core cultural diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, all the way through to how do we create more inclusive, representative uh, client output? And how do we advise our clients to think through these uh, lenses, if you will? So uh, broadly speaking, that's my role. Uh, outside of that, I'm an advocate for uh, masculinity and mental health. Uh, I started a or launched a, an agency called The Lives of Men, which uses the conversation around modern masculinity to explore uh, how it has implications on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, allyship, uh, and the intersection of those conversations and mental health. So 
that is as as succinctly as I can put it. <laughs> yes, it's a lot, and it. Um, thank you for for all that you do in the various spaces um, that you're a part of. Um, what about you, Gabby? Um, where are you at with this new gig in terms of um, what you're trying to do within ANF? Yeah, so I've been um, a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging practitioner for the last. 10 years and really this new juncture with ANF has been really, really exciting. Um, you know, as we had discussed, really the more fascinating part to me um, in having an opportunity to lead this effort goes beyond just diversity as a practitioner. Um, for me, it's really all the other parts that keep me up at night, um, the parts that would influence um, candidates or employees, associates to want to stay within an organization. So it's really around the side of the house that deals more with inclusion, um, creating more equitable workforce, building that sense of cultural belonging in an organization. Um, and that means that our focus can't just be on diversity for the sake of checking boxes. But my job really is rather to try and influence and create the type of environment where employees, associates feel that they can bring their full selves to work each and every day and creating a more accessible and equitable workforce. Um, and in addition to that, I mean, it, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch, it's a really, really interesting time to work in the space um, where our mission has really been dedicated to amplifying, engaging, empower, empowering folks from all different backgrounds and really fostering an open environment where folks can come together, listen, learn, and really take action. So move from conversations toward action and influencing the products that we're creating to reflect our global customer. Um, so it's been really fascinating. Um, you know, I started my career in higher education, working at NYU in Columbia, then pivoted to Citigroup, um, leading our diversity inclusion efforts for early career talent, and then transitioning to the fashion industry, which is really, really exciting opportunity to make a make an impact and create product that has the opportunity to create social change right across our across our communities in a really interesting way. Yeah, I have so many questions um, about kind of what you all have seen so far. But first, Jasmine, um, how do you include that DEI lens um, as somebody who's, you know, on the agency side and also trying to, you know, achieve more equity in the greater world? Yeah. Um, first, I'm, I'm just so excited to be part of this conversation and hearing from Jason Gabby amongst um, inspiring folks. So um, I think as an account manager, really partnering with clients and but also partnering with leadership in how we infuse diversity, equity and inclusion, not just from an inter internal perspective, but so that it emanates within um, how we partner with clients. Um, we just ensuring that yes, we're being responsible and that brands are being responsible, but also um, figuring out how what we can do to not just check the box, like Abby said, but actually make tangible change. And so, I think for me personally, it's just something that I've always been passionate about, which led me to um, being part of the In Her Shoes movement, um, a nonprofit based here in LA. And so I have this unique um, intersection where I get to see um, what does social impact look like from a grassroots um, point of view, but then also in my day job, like how, do, how can we partner with clients um, in doing this great work and continuing this great work, especially with brands that want to create change. 
Yeah, absolutely. But wanting to create change from that passion professional standpoint, I just want to recognize um, it is a lot of emotional work. So thank you. Um, I know it's your job, but um, I would it be fair to say that you come across resistance every day? I mean, it's like you're fighting an uphill battle, right? Um, what I mean, it, it sounds like an obvious question, but like, what keeps you going, and where where are we at right now? You know, if if we had to even rate of how much more how much more work we have to do um, everywhere, I mean, it just it just seems insurmountable. So, do you take kind of small steps, or or how does that thinking work? Um, how do you think about how to affect change? Rather, um, what's your thought process? Uh, yeah, well, that, that's a difficult question to answer in a linear way because there's so many different inputs that go into change making, as it were. Uh, I think the first one of the components I would say is modeling behavior. So, if you know, to, to Gabby's point about uh, driving equity and cultural transformation. Uh, part of that, for me at least, is to model the type of behavior that I'd like to see permeate throughout the organization. So if it's if it's vulnerability, as, as an example, um, is me as a leader demonstrating that vulnerability uh, to 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 the extent that I can uh, uh, at the organizational level. So whether it's you know I made a mistake, I misspoke, uh, I sent an email that was you know that, that had a bunch of typos, whatever it might be, it's really demonstrating that I am as a human being, before I am a leader, able to recognize that fact. Um, and then that hopefully empowers other individuals to, you know, to be themselves and to, and to kind of let their hair, their hair, their hair down and be kind of just human. Right. So that's, that's one factor of driving change is modeling behavior. The other part of it is uh, accountability. You know, we, we are all in the business of, at the end of the day, changing the long-term makeup of our organizations through recruitment and retention uh, and other mechanisms. And so how do we do that unless we measure our progress and our goals um, and hold, hold ourselves accountable to either meeting those goals or not? And so I think accountability starts at the top with leadership. Uh, as we set goals and as we put in place programming, programming to try to achieve those goals, um, to the extent that we're successful, that's great. But to the extent that we're not in those instances, are we holding ourselves accountable to why we weren't successful? Um, and, and, and are we having the right conversations? And then the last thing uh, of kind of what I'm choosing to share now, because again, there's so many inputs, is this idea of incentivizing the right things. You know, when you look at corporate spaces, they're so capitalist and they're so masculine driven in terms of the ideologies that we that we incentivize, whether it's the bottom line, whether it's, you know, uh, cost cutting, right? It's very linear things or frameworks. I think we need to think about the organization um, in, a, in a much more fluid way, right? And incentivize things like collaboration uh, and teamwork and openness and communication. Uh, and I think those values are just as important as all of the other things that we measure success by. And I think taking together some of those frameworks of thinking, if you will, can help to start to change and transform an organization over time. 
Yeah, Jasmine, would you agree with that? Given that you you know you are having meetings with clients, what kind of strategies and conversations have worked for you to push that forward? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, number one, just modeling behavior, and I think as as Co, you mentioned at the start, it's this is emotional work and it's hard. Um, and I think we can't just ignore the fact that it's hard um, and that it is emotional. And so the more that we really just lean into our humanity and embrace just who we are um, and recognize that we cannot move the needle forward unless we are embracing who we are and our identity, but also creating the space for other people to show up as they are. Um, then we we cannot move the, the needle forward. And so I guess as we're having meetings with clients and or as um, I talk with partners um, with my nonprofit, it's really being able to show up in the space of like we're on the we're all on the same team. We all want to do this great work. We all want to see change. Um, and it's going to be hard, but we're here for each other, and we have to be open to the process and open to open to the challenges that really come along the way. And just being able to have those vulnerable conversations is just so important. Um, So being able to just show up, be transparent, call out when it's hard, call out when we mess up, um, but then equally showing grace to others when we mess up, because we're really um, trying to show up intentionally as strong allies. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I just thought about like, what would HR think about, you know, <laughs> uh, when listening to this conversation? But Gabby, um, you mentioned that you, uh, you know, wanted to work on retention and you had also worked with um, people who are early on in their careers. What were some of the common missteps from that you were hearing from the company sides? And, and also what were some tips that you would have shared or what kind of behaviors would you have modeled for them? You know, I imagine somebody who's early on doesn't want to speak up or doesn't want to, uh, you know, maybe is scared to to admit any kind of mistakes. I mean, obviously, leadership comes from the top. But, um, you know, what what can you share with us from that perspective? Yeah, from the perspective of supporting um, early career talent, particularly in other roles, roles that I've, I've held, um, I think that it's always important to provide some students or people that are early on in their career, like what are the kind of the red flags that you should sort of look for? So beyond this performative allyship component that some companies have, especially during the the times, right, last year was a really, really difficult time, especially for the BIPOC community, right? And so we're looking at companies and we want to make sure that folks are holding themselves accountable to push further um, and that it's not performative. And so some of the the thing, some of the watch outs I'd say would be right or organizations. Do they really have a strategy in place? Do they do they go beyond just changing um, a profile picture or a headline, right? Without any type of monetary um, investment or action, do they have partners that hold their organization accountable um, or, or receiving any kind of external consultation? Um, is it the type of environment where a person coming into an organization would um, be fearful of retaliation and expressing how the environment makes them feel, right? So you want to be part of a speak-up culture, which is something I'm really proud that Abercrombie & Fitch has and we've cultivated. So those types of things are kind of watch-outs that I, I, you know, I often share with folks who are early part, 
at the early part of their careers to kind of look out for. And in addition to the watchouts, it's kind of like, well, what else are companies doing to go above and beyond? Are there associate resource groups or employee resource groups or networks who um, who are going to be your champions when you get there, right? And all of that really, really rich insight can really inform a person's decision as to whether or not they would want to go into an organization and stay. Um, and also, is the organization preparing them, you know, are there activations or programs of volunteerism or opportunities for professional development, particularly for folks who might be underrepresented in those communities to feel a sense of belonging. So I think it goes beyond diversity. And we want to talk about how to create more equity and how to create that sense of belonging within organizations that we represent. Yeah. You know, last Juneteenth, Gabby, you wrote a piece for us on Adweek and you had recommended people observe, listen, cut the act and celebrate. Now, Six months or so later, have you seen things get better? Um, You know, you speak about speak up culture, but there's also cancel culture. Where are your greatest challenges, but where are you also seeing progress? I think some of the greatest challenges that we're seeing industry wide is really like where do do we go from here, right? So there are a lot of organizations that were kind of reactionary and it would come across to either clients, customers, or even uh, prospective talent as performative, as I said. But where do we go from here? And something that I like to talk about often is that allyship isn't always on 365, you know, lifelong commitment to rallying for change um, and standing unapologetically with communities that you may not be part of. And so to me, that means that it doesn't just mean that there's a moment where we're going to observe, um, you know, Juneteenth, right? It's going to be um, an always-on effort to continue to look in the mirror as a company, go through that exercise of self-reflection. As an organization, are we going to aim higher? Are we going to push further? Um, are we going to push our boundaries and really show up for communities in ways that we haven't before, right? And it's about being a vocal change agent, and, and really that precedent has to be has to come down from you know from your leadership and cascade across your organization. And really, while an organization is looking in the mirror and going through that exercise of self reflection, are they willing to step into spaces where they f- have historically felt uncomfortable? Right. So becoming more comfortable with being comfortable and really holding hands and walking through that journey boldly to say that we don't want to be who we were yesterday. We're someone different today. These are the steps. These are investments. These are the resources, the tools, the accountability levers, levers that we are pulling to create an impact and create a long, uh, long lasting, sustained change across our organization. Well, I agree with what Gabby said in terms of accountability and coming out of the summer months that we just uh, had in 2020, um, you saw a wave of initiatives, whether 600 Rising and others kind of surface, um, holding agencies accountable to, to, to some of the things that we're, we're working towards, right? Greater representation in our industry. And the thing about accountability and data and metrics is that it is just, it's a measurement, right? It's backward looking in the sense that all it is is evidence of where you are, um, perhaps evidence of where you've fallen short, but it really doesn't do much in terms of moving the conversation forward and affecting change uh, in a forward looking manner. And so I think we oftentimes as an industry get caught up in the representation numbers, right? And And not focus enough on the importance of how you use that information to inform your strategy going forward. Uh, so I think accountability and, and, and data and metrics go hand in hand. 
I just think we need to pay closer attention to the ways in which we use data uh, and not kind of use it as a check the box mechanism and more uh, direction and use it more directionally to actually move the conversation forward. Yeah. And, you know, people can't argue with data, but it's important absolutely to think about um, how to to best frame that data. Jasmine, how have you been bringing in any insights and um, in terms of framing it to to the conversations that that you're having? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It's it's great to have data. Data is important, but we can't be fully reliant on data um, or else we we risk um, just having very transactional efforts when the goal is to be more transformational. And so while we, data certainly has a role in um, how we track and measure our growth over time, it's really being able to dive deeper into the data in the qualitative data specifically and understanding what is the experience behind um, these numbers. Why are our numbers like this? Um, I think especially when you're talking from a retention standpoint, you can certainly have diversity, but not inclusion. And that can certainly inform how what your retention is going to be. Um, and if you're constantly ha- um, losing people of color or the BIPOC community, um, you really have to look into why is that? What is the experience of um, someone who is marginalized within our organization? Are we upholding um, allyship values? Are we creating a space where they feel like they belong? Yeah, and that they feel heard. Um, yeah, can I can I just add to that, Coco? Of course. Uh, so, you know, so we we often forget that this work, uh, and when I say this work, di- diversity, equity, and inclusion work is fundamentally about people and about how they engage how they're empowered to succeed inside of your organization, and then how they learn, connect, and grow with each other. And that fundamentally, when you distill the work down to its core, is what it's about. And so I think, yes, data is an important piece of that. Measurement is an important piece of that to the accountability conversation. But we can't forget that the data has to be accompanied with human insights. Uh, And together, all of that then should help inform strategy and the work, right? So I think we're all saying the same thing, but we just can't forget that there's a human element to this work that is fundamental. Any further thoughts on that, Gabby? I mean, I would just echo every everything that, um, that's been said. Um, I think that it's, it's very, very important um, that we are uh, approaching diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging work, um, uh, in a way that includes data to inform decisions that, that we're making and, and that cuts across, again, our recruitment processes, t- talent management processes. Um, it's just an, it's, it's an important lever that we have to continue to pull to hold ourselves accountable, to continue to push further, to ignite the change that we hope to see across our organizations. Yeah, and I'm curious for, for any of you, um, who do you see doing this work well? Um, Which brands are being actually inclusive? Are there any 
kind of role models that you all look up to, or are you, you know, really trying to figure this out along the way, given you know the different dynamics that we're all in, or is nobody doing it well? <laughs> well, could, could, could I just comment? I mean, I'll say that. There are a lot of there are a lot of really um, in you know inspiring um, organizations that are doing it really well. There are opportunities for for all of our industries to push further. I think that the fact that a role or roles like ours exist still says that there's a ton of work to be done across all of our industries, right? So when our roles don't have to exist anymore, then we'll know that significant progress and change change has happened. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like this is one of the more difficult conversations I've had to moderate because as much as so much of it is obvious and is common sense, a lot of it does seem kind of complicated and complex. Um, So I want to give you all the platform. What's something that you, you know, I know you're we're all kind of well-spoken and at times maybe soft-spoken on a Friday afternoon, but what's something that right now you would really want to shout from the rooftops like um in terms of the 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 intensity and the passion behind um the work and the messaging i'll jump in and and i just want to build on the last point that gabby uh, said uh which is um well no i'll backtrack let me answer your question directly because i want to get into all of that but uh what i would say is that just a few months ago about a year ago Companies across industries were divesting from diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, completely divesting from them. Uh, and usually that's the case when you look at um, when, when things turn downward in the economy and, and revenues are contracting, usually the first thing that goes is the diversity work. And then all of a sudden, George Floyd happens, Breonna Taylor happens, and then it, it literally was a V curve, right? All of a sudden, brands, companies across industries had to react to that moment. And it first began with the public sentiments of support and solidarity. And then you saw this wave of hires like myself, and I'm, I'm putting myself in, in front of that because I know I'm a product of that wave, um, to hire diversity officers, directors, professionals, um, to help lead this work. And so your question is, what do I, what do I want to challenge the industry to, to consider? Um, consider the fact that this work isn't cyclical. Consider the fact that this is fundamental to the way that you do business. And then it shouldn't be uh, a function or uh, a product of whether or not you're performing well as a company, right? Um, obviously we, we know all of the, we've read all the McKinsey reports of the world that say that diversity is good for business, of course, but that usually looks at the internal makeup of an organization in terms of diversity of thought, belonging, uh, having different minds and different identities in the room, but it spends very little time. Those reports spend very little time quantifying the value of having those diverse voices from a revenue standpoint. And I think that is the hopefully that's part of the the work that we all have to do and that is to prove that concept out more so that's my call out to the to to these spaces it's to the industries uh is stop looking at diversity as kind of the cyclical nice thing to do when things are great um it should be something that you do as part of your day-to-day 
business like you do marketing, like you do finance. Everybody in an organization should care about costs and revenue, but you still have a CFO. Everybody in your organization should care about your brand's image and, and marketing, but you still have a CMO, right? Same thing with diversity. Everybody should care about equity and representation, but you still have a CDO or someone that's leading this work. And I think it's important for us to really give it its gravity. And I think that's the one thing that, one, there's still work to be done around, but I do, I do have some hope that, as Gabby said, we are all sitting in these seats in large part because they need us. And, and we just have to make sure that we quantify it such that they need us at all times, not just during times of crisis. Go ahead, Gabby. Well, I was just going to say that, hey, I completely agree. I think one thing I'd like to to call out is that, you know, one challenge I have for all organizations really is for it to be more embedded into all of our processes, all of our functions, all of our behaviors as an organization and to take that with us as a North Star that's guiding all of our businesses Right. And it's not just DNI sitting in some corner, DNI practitioners doing their work. And it's like DE, diversity, equity, inclusion's work, but it's everyone's work. Everyone has something at stake here. And it, it absolutely impacts business. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree and just kind of echoing what's been said here. But I think that it needs to absolutely be embedded in all of our processes um, across every single organization and company and using that model and not just perhaps some, you know, HR person or some team that's kind of like doing all of all of that work. But it's really, really embedded into the culture and the values and literally the bones and DNA of an organization. Yeah, for sure. And Jason, you also have a greater call out um, in our magazine this week about um, male allyship in action. Um, could you speak a little bit more about what you what people should understand about that? Earlier, you referenced, you know, kind of the masculinity standards in our industry. How are you trying to challenge that? Well, yeah, I think, you know, when you look at our industry, and I'm sure everyone in the advertising space has seen or is familiar with the Mad Men show, right? This this depiction of patriarchal, um, kind of historical, the historical beginnings and, and the foundation of the advertising industry rooted in patriarchy and misogyny, et cetera. And so for me, as someone who's done and continues to do men's work, this idea of bringing that work around healthy masculinity and debunking some of the norms that we're all so used to is important. And I see that as complementary to diversity, equity, and inclusion work through allyship, because in an environment, in spaces, and this is not just within advertising and marketing, but across multiple industries, when you look at male-dominated spaces, if we're, if we're wanting to be more inclusive and if we're wanting to create spaces where underrepresented groups feel like they belong, what would that look like if men led the way, right? What would it look like if men uh, used our privilege or spent our privilege more responsibly to create and to advocate for underrepresented groups? How different would our, our industries look? And so to me, that's what I mean by that. It's There's an opportunity here for those of us who are in power, who identify as men, who have the, the privilege and the power to influence organizations, I think there is incredible an incredible opportunity for us to spend our privilege 
on behalf of underrepresented groups in that way. And I think that's where th those two worlds to me converge. And how ironic would it be for us to transform the marketing and the advertising in industry in that way, coming from the Mad Men era, right? So I think in my article, uh, I mentioned that we have an opportunity to rewrite this script. And, and I do, I, t I, I am very, I'm very passionate about that. And so I'm trying to do my part in that. And I encourage other men who might be in similar positions to, to interrogate that for themselves and see how they might be able to show up as better allies. Absolutely. And Jasmine, in your case with In Her Shoes movement, you know, what are we telling the Peggy's and the Jane's of, of today? How are we framing that messaging? What are we calling them to do? Ah, uh, yes. Um, a call to action to the industry, it, I think, really, um, and from an In Her Shoes movement perspective is ask yourself, what, what, what does our, this community need? Whether you're part of the community, whether you're not part of the community, really sitting with what does this community need and what does support look like? So before we, we um, are quick to react with um, sharing more um, Instagram stories or posts um, about different stats or just about our anger, um, I'd really challenge everyone to take a moment to, to stop and question what can I do in this moment to support the community in a tangible way? Is that create? Is that um, by, by donating? Is that by partnering with organizations and giving them the platform? Or is that using my brand um, as a way to highlight um, underrepresented communities? And what about specifically with with women in our industry? Um, any? message that you know you're helping craft yes for, for women in the industry I think it's it's very much like the fi continue fighting on continue pushing on um, I Jason I love the perspective that you bring for um, how men can really show up as leaders I think as women um, we want to really encourage that by women stepping up and taking charge this is not the the intention is not to take the voice away from another. The goal is not to um, replace men in the industry, but how can we work with um, strong men and and um, strong folks in leadership to be able to champion um, the work that we're trying to do? Um, so for women specifically, um, I think just continue fighting on, but. Give yourself the grace that sometimes, um, sometimes we need to take a pause. Sometimes we need to take a step back. I think with the pandemic happening and you know um, a lot women hitting um, unemployment the most, I think it's questioning this balance of what does um, a home life and home life and a work balance look like, especially when um, a lot of women within the space had to, you know, leave the industry in order to take care of their families. Um, and I, I think I saw I saw an article um, when the pandemic hit of the pandemic is the is is setting the fe the feminist movement backwards. Um, but I think it's actually what the pandemic has actually done is it's just magnified um, how we've always seen feminism and it's magnified how um, performative we've been 
um, we've been pushing this movement along um, and really magnifying um, the fact that we can be doing more and we should be doing more. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, so I do want to take a pause there. Um, I hope that this is giving our listeners a chance to reflect, wrap their heads around this, and um, you know, continue to to fight in in our own ways and to support um, our various communities. But I want to give anyone. Um, last thoughts that they have on on this topic. This is just the beginning. This is just a continuation of many, many important conversations that are happening at a larger level, on a one-to-one level. Um, so I do want to thank you, Gabby, Jason, and Jasmine for your time and offer any kind of last thoughts here. Yeah, no, thank you for having us, Co. And I, I just want to add something that is not on its surface related to the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but I think it's very much related. Um, and that is, you know, it's just, we, we just need to change. And this is more of a hum, humanity kind of more esoteric, spiritual uh, comment that I want to leave you all, all with. But we, we need to change our approach um, and our mindset from one of lack to one of abundance. And I think Jasmine just kind of mentioned it, right, where this isn't about advocating for underrepresented groups, women, our LGBTQ siblings, veterans, differently abled folks. This isn't about advocating for some of those groups at the expense of another. This is about expanding the pie for everyone. And I think if we can, ad- if we can approach this work in that way, I think that is such a powerful place to be um, and a powerful position to take. And I know that that's a fundamental probably existential question for a lot of us, right? It's, you know, this idea of abundance, we keep hearing it a lot in this new age of spirituality, but I do think that it applies to this work because that's what, you know, when you see folks storming the Capitol, a lot of those folks are storming the Capitol because they feel like there's something being taken away from them. And I think that's that same concept of, you know, why isn't, why don't we make more progress with, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging? And that is because oftentimes within our organizations and our industries, one group feels like they have to sacrifice for the, benef- for the benefit of, of another. And I think it's just a fundamental shift in mindset that we have to have. And that is, let's look at this from a place of abundance, that if we grow the pie, then there's so much more for all of us to win, as opposed to this kind of zero-sum game. Absolutely. And as someone who is... Um proudly part of that new age movement. Um, But there is some form of reframing the narrative that is out there, um, reframing our own narratives, reclaiming those narratives, and um, breaking through those limiting beliefs that we have around ourselves and our communities that are thrust upon us. So I want to thank you for bringing that point up. Um, Gabby or Jasmine, um, thank you all. Um, Any last comments or final Yeah, I mean, Jason, I just I love what um, you're you're talking about. It's not a but or an or it's an and right. It it's these this really creates this opportunity for all of our communities to who understand oppression, who understand racism to come together so we can collaborate as a community. So it's really not one group or another. It's us coming together as people. Um, And the one thing that I will 
leave any listeners who are championing diversity, equity, and inclusion or being the change agents within your organization, within your family, within your home life. Um, the one thing I do want to say um, that I'm actually still learning, especially within this week of just the emotional hard times that the world is seeing is it's also okay to not be expect yourself to be the one, be the only one holding the torch every single day of every single minute that we have a community for a reason. We're on the, we're all running the same race towards the same goal um, and that it cannot be sustainable if you're pushing and pushing and pushing every second of every single day um, to that it's to just be able to, yes, championing the champion the charge, but also give yourself the space to rest um, because that's how we can create sustainable activism in whatever space we're in. So wherever you are, however you are, whoever you are, whatever you are, you're just know that you are exactly where you need to be, whatever challenges or frustrations that you're feeling um, is exactly where you need to be in this fight for change. For sure. Gabby. Yeah. And I guess the last thing here is, I mean, really, we all have something at stake here. We're all involved. This is a movement. It's not just a moment, right? Whether we want to be or not, we should all be championing unity, championing justice and championing peace. So I hope that across all of our industries, we can walk with more courage, more boldly and more unapologetically toward the change that we hope to ignite across our companies. Well, let's end that there. Um, I want to thank Lane, our recording and uh, producer and editor. Uh, Music is by home. David Greiner will be back next week. Again, thank you to all of our guests and to all of you who are listening and doing the good work, uh, whatever it is. And we hope that you can subscribe to us, leave us a review, come chat with us about this issue and more. Um, For Adweek, I'm Ko Im. We'll see you next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.